0: Welcome to Fresh From the Field Fridays by the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on supply trends, category updates, brand awareness, and what's hot in the market. Join us each week from San Francisco Bay, California, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Dan, the Produce Man.
1: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh from the Field Fridays on this lovely, lovely Friday. I'm Dan the Produce Man, and today's Fresh from the Field Fridays is brought to you by the Produce Industry Podcast and sponsored by Buck. Naked Onions, Equifruit, the only banana you should buy, Fresh Cravings, bringing fresh salsa to your produce department, and the London Fruit Company, bringing us those mangoes out of Mexico, and they're winding down. Folks, there's just so many good things in the stores right now, on the produce stands at the farmer's markets, in your backyard as well. And on the line with us today is Armand Lobato. Armand is a columnist with The Packer, a produce industry newspaper, The Produce Market Guide, a retail magazine, and food service promotion director at the Idaho Potato Commission. Armand, welcome to Fresh from the Field Fridays. Thank you, Dan. So, Armand, I mean, we read your article in the Packer, your column, you've been all over the produce industry and you write for another publication is that correct besides the packer
0: yeah i write for uh a uh, produce merchandising magazine it's a uh offshoot of the
1: what packer. happened to produce merchandising i used to get that in the mail every month or every other month whatever it i haven't seen it in a long time i thought it disappeared
0: well i haven't seen it and i write for them. um <laughs> i think you have to call them and tell them you want to print a uh, copy as well as a digital
1: i was on the cover of that magazine did you know that how Ooh. long ago was that that was going back years, maybe two thousand eleven,
0: maybe. Yeah, they that magazine's evolved a little bit. It's an excellent publication, and it's uh, you know from and from their company, which is Farm Journal, and it's interesting because. I've met with a, a former editor at uh, the Packer who told me that, you know, once they, once Farmer Farm Journal took over, you know, that encompasses more of the entire agriculture business. And they looked at the produce business and considered the produce business as you and I know it as a as specialty segment of the business, you know, uh, apples and potatoes and onions and, and so on. I go, you're kidding. We're specialty? And they, because they, he said, yeah, what, what they considered major, of course, is, you know, wheat and soybeans and <laughs> sure. corn and, you know, all, all the really big crops, you know, that, so yeah, they look at it, you go, oh, you're a cabbage grower, you know, uh, that's nice. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, so it's a little humbling sometimes, but that's Well, okay. it's nice to know that we're
1: in a specialty business, that's for sure. Yes, yes we are. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be something exotic like uh, purple uh, sunchokes okay. or something. So, Armin, uh, we went through a little bit of a funk with potatoes, but it looks like we're probably heading back on track. Is that correct?
0: Right. Last year, it was a little tough because there was a lot of heat towards the end of the growing season and as, and and a lot of wildfire smoke. And that really stressed a lot of the uh, fields, and so uh, it, it, the crop was a, a little bit short than usual. But you know, growers and shippers have a way of rationing that, you know, and, and of course pricing and, and shipments kind of keep that under control, so that they could at least try to keep the pipeline full until the next crop begins. And that is right now, so they're starting to uh, to harvest in earnest. You know, a few Idaho shippers were digging as of last week. And the rest of them will start probably in the next week or two. But, uh, but it looks like uh, the quality has been really good. The growing conditions have been ideal. So they expect a nice range of sizes and appearance and quality. So once and that pipeline will be filled probably by mid-September, you know, by the time they get through harvesting and shipping to all the receivers around the country. So by that time, I'm sure uh, everybody will be satisfied what they need, including processors and, you know, both on the food service and retail side.
1: Okay, folks, no potato famine here, that's for sure. No. (laughs) Okay, good, good. So it's the end of August. We got September coming up. We've got figs. We have tomatoes galore, every variety you can think of under the sun. We have Melons are, you know, just really at their best, and uh, the hard squashes have started. Uh, New crops, sweet potatoes out of California have started. I mean, there's just so much. Apples, pears, produce departments right now, with the later stone fruit varieties, which... I always have to stress the later varieties, you you got to eat them more on the firm side. Don't expect to eat them nice and soft like you would in the midsummer, but we're getting to the point where you, you got to eat them a little bit more firm, but there's still plenty of stone fruit too. So the produce department mix is absolutely beautiful at the right now.
0: Yeah, you're right, Dan. What I like about September produce is, you have the benefit of harvest in general across the country. I mean, we have. I mean, it's this is. I mean, we're always they're always harvesting something in produce, but this is the sort of an eclipse point of late summer fair with fall fair. So you're right. You, you have the benefit of the the, the late stone fruit melons. Local produce. And here comes the waves of all the different kinds of apples and and pears. Citrus is still down the road, a little bit as far as stuff out of Texas or or Florida. But but yeah, there is a lot to be excited about in the produce department.
1: Yeah, citrus coming up. Yeah, we'll, we, (laughs) yeah, that's (laughs) That's, that's the next chapter. (laughs) Right, exactly. That's the great thing. See, folks, what you don't realize is people in the produce business, sometimes we judge time by what's in season, what's on the trees, and when it's going to be harvested and packed, or the date on a box of salad mix or something. That is how we gauge our calendars in a way. Oh, sure. It, it's, yeah, it's just... you know,
0: if if there's one thing that I... Kind of tune into like when I get together with family or friends, when they look at the produce industry, you know, from a layperson's point of view, they don't really don't know much. You know, they know about produce, but the biggest comment or the most impactful comment I've heard over the years is I would buy more fruits and vegetables if I knew what was really good at the time I was shopping. Uh, yes. Because because like if you're shopping in the middle of winter, you know, some of those melons, uh, you right. know, that, that we get from Central America, yeah, they look all right, but you know, they're just not bricksing very high. Their sugar's not that good. I mean they're okay, but they're certainly not peak quality season like we would get domestically. And so that's our job in the, as produce retailers is to try to focus on what's really good and build your displays and promote those items so that it's obvious that what is absolutely in season and offers samples. And, yes. and of course, it's reflected in ad pricing and so on. But still, if a knowledgeable crew can talk to their customers and say, oh, you got to try this, uh, this, this mango, this particular variety. You may not have the blush, but it's got the flavor. Unbelievable, you know, things like that.
1: Exactly, you know, it's funny. And be honest with the customers. I had a, a lady ask me in my store, and it was probably January, and she said, what are your, where are the most flavorful tomatoes? And I looked at her and I said, none of them, ma'am. And she looked at me like, what's the matter with you? You're <laughs> supposed to be trying to push this stuff on me. You're supposed to be trying to sell it to me. And I said, do I have you confused? She goes, yeah. She goes, how come you have tomatoes that are no good? I. I said, well, I didn't say they're no good. You're asking me what the best flavored ones are right now. And really, it's nothing. If you, not for a slicer at least, these cherry tomatoes out of Mexico, these have some flavor. But to get that summer tomato flavor, you're not going to get it. And you won't get it until July. But here's what we do have. And she goes, wow, I really appreciate. It. And there were other customers watching that and going, holy smoke, dude, you know, you're right on the money there. And I said, well, yeah, I'm not going to lie. What if I tell her this is the best tasting tomato in the world? She takes it home and uses it and goes, ah, oh, this, this, this is just average. You know, what's this guy talking about? Then my credibility shot. And I want her to know when the right time of the year is to have the best. Flavor tomato. So, what did she do? She ended up buying a whole bunch of them anyway. She said, Well, well I got to make such and such. And, and she bought them and I appreciate it. So, if you're honest with your customers, like with the melons, I made a video during the summer about the difference between winter cantaloupes and winter honeydews versus summer. And I yeah. had, had both right there showing people the difference. People know, I mean, you know, you, you, you pick out a honeydew in, in the dead of winter and it's, it's okay. It tastes like a sweet cucumber. <laughs> But yet it's not going to be what it is in the summertime. So you're right. If you have people in your produce department who are passionate about it, know the produce, love the produce, that's going to reflect in your sales.
0: Yeah, there's nothing like a tomato that you grow in your own backyard Oh, yes. that's never been refrigerated, that has allowed to mature to a, to perfection, and it has the, the right blend of acid ratio and all that good stuff i mean it is going to be unbelievably good and retailers do cut they're getting better you know With something like the tomato on vine, the TOVs, that was a huge boost for retailers. But you know, wasn't that long ago the only tomato we ever carried was that gas green tomato, which is a tomato that's picked green and then allowed to slowly ripen. And you know, that's and actually that's that's still popular in food service. I mean, the the biggest food service tomato is called a five by six pink, and all sandwich shops care about is if it's firm enough to go through a slicer. There's no mention at all of flavor. And with the exception of maybe some higher end restaurants or specialty restaurants, you know, they're not interested in in a flavorful tomato. They want something that's functional. But on the retail side, you do have people that care about that. And so if your crew is knowledgeable, at least to to stir them in the right direction, like maybe you have some local heirlooms or something that are outstanding, you you can help them with that. But flavor and maturity, it's a peak P quality is knowledge is, is is key to, to winning people over.
1: Well, this time of the year, there's no excuse to not have a flavorful, some flavorful tomato in your produce department, but it's the independents that do the really good job of <laughs> bringing those in. It just really is. I mean, they're not bound yeah. by this massive system and they can deviate and do that. I mean, I remember going to a restaurant. This is several years ago when my kids were little and I had a whole bunch of these dry farmed early girl tomatoes from a, a, a local farm in my store. And I said, okay. Well, we went to dinner, and the kids ordered what they want, and they asked me what I want, and I said, I want the Greek salad. And then I handed them a, a paper bag, and I said, but with these tomatoes. <laughs> and he <laughs> says, you brought your own?" Huh? <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I said, they charge I charge even... your
0: corking fee. Yeah.
1: Well, well, what I did was, I, 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 I said, there's even enough in there for you guys to pass around in the kitchen and enjoy. I bet they loved it. Oh yeah, they brought the Greek salad out, and then they said, whoa, where did you get those? <laughs> I said, come on, you know, you know, the business I own across town. They said, all right, can you get us some? I said, yes. So you do have like smaller establishments yeah. or or special chefs that know the ones that like to cruise the farmers markets or go mm-hmm. to the. I, I had a lot of chefs shopping at my. store store because i brought things in direct from farms so you have those but as far as you're saying in the in the big world of big food service yeah you're right they just want something they can slice or chop and not mm-hmm. worry about about flavor which is kind of weird for a restaurant
0: yeah and i mean that's the reality of it they're because because their the harsh reality is they have to follow a uh, uh, criteria, function, you know, size specifications, and so on. And uh, and of course, as least expensive as possible too.
1: Well, right, exactly. And I used to brag to my customers, the farm can call me and say, yeah, we started picking at five o'clock this morning, fresh corn, come on out. We saved you 20 cases or whatever. I could jump in my pickup truck, drive out 50 miles away to the farm, pick up the corn, ice it all down, bring it back to my store, put up a sign, said, Picked fresh this morning, and I would brag. The grocery stores can't do that, and yeah. it was true; they couldn't, and, and their system doesn't allow it. But I would do a lot of those things. I really wanted to differentiate myself from the grocery stores, which which I did. Yeah, and that's not to say that the grocery stores don't have good produce; they do. There's just a standard, like you said, procedure they have to follow in a big system that they got to sure. go through that doesn't allow for that. That's all.
0: Yeah, a big chain is going to order, you know, a straight load of of something, or, you know, multiple straight loads to satisfy the volume of their 10 or 20 or 60 or more stores. And you can't do that from, from smaller operations. And even the concept of local is, is a little
1: confusing (laughs) to a lot of
0: people too, you know, because I've been in Northern California working once when I saw a chain selling local strawberries. And I knew that at the time strawberries were being harvested down in the San Diego area. And if you take that string, that's pretty far ways from Sacramento to San Diego. And if you stretched it out towards the middle of the country, you know, I don't think you would consider that local, but they did. So some people will call it within a state or within so many miles. And, And so it's kind of a term that's used a lot. And to me, it's best if, if someone were to just say, this is where this produce is from and let your customers decide yes. if it's local enough for them, you know, but there's definitely some absolute examples of farms that are really close. Like in, in California, you're blessed with lots of produce that's indeed, you know, like within an hour or two away, but other, in other parts of the country, uh, that's only really seasonal. That's, you know, like, like where I live in Colorado, we do get early uh, like leaf, leaf lettuces and stuff, but it's only right about this time of year when we have incredible local corn and Rocky Ford cantaloupe and melon, uh, watermelon and peaches and things like that, you know, but you have to wait towards the tail end of the summer. And then even then it's only about a six week run before that all goes away. Wow.
1: I guess we're really lucky here. Some stores will put a local program together and have five or six local items and then kind of like you know, r- rub their hands, say, okay, there's our local section. We're done, yeah. And, <laughs> you know, I, you really got to, you've got to do a program, you might as well get into it. And in Colorado, that's, uh, I think that's the origin of the honeydew melon there in Colorado, I believe, back in the 30s, oh. maybe, 20s. Oh, the, yeah, I wasn't aware
0: of that. That's Yeah, there was a
1: melon yeah, breeder it's... there. And um...
0: I know it's the origin of the Denver omelet. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe the egg, too. Huh? Our, our, our <laughs> r- Rocky Mountain oysters, yeah. <laughs> oh,
0: that's great. Hey,
1: folks, we're talking with Armin Lobato. He is an all-around fresh produce professional, a columnist, and uh, a board member, and uh, so many other things. And uh, we'll be back right after this. Don't go away.
0: Welcome to Equifruit, an importer and marketer of fresh bananas. Equifruit is committed to 100% fair trade,
1: which means no crummy wages, super safe working conditions, and nothing but love for the ladies. Driving innovation through impossible-to-ignore merchandising, Equifruit
0: is the only banana you should buy. Everyone, we have an APP out on a buck naked onion. This onion is produced by Owyhee Produce, so we have to be on the lookout. Whether you're a retailer, food service distributor, or a wholesaler, this onion is whole, it's hardened, and it's a buck naked,
1: everyone. To all you civilians out there, please, let's catch this buck naked onion. Okay, folks, we're back. Armand Lobato is our guest today. And I made a mistake. I said that he was on the board of the Idaho Potato Commission, but that's not true, is it, Armin? Correct me, please.
0: So, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not on any boards or anything. I do work for the Idaho Potato okay. Commission. The commission's always been really supportive of my my outside work which is writing good and of course it's I've just always liked to write I started writing for a lo- local newspaper I've always had the writing bug and one day I realized man I should be writing about produce since so I so I got a hold of Lance Youngmeyer he was the uh, editor of the Packer you know about I don't know 16 17 years ago and he started to put in a little bit and then little by little they saw they thought, well, okay, they like it. And I, I've been writing every every week ever since. That's you that's know? great.
1: So, got have got, gotta love yeah. that.
0: I learned to type when I was in high school because my penmanship was horrible. Oh, same and, here. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. I used to I used to get failing grades and my brother finally pulled me aside and said type your paper, you'll, and your D will become a C, C will become (laughs) a B. And he was right. But the writing bug I've always had, and I wrote a little bit for other publications too, but, you know, and and it's funny because sometimes people say, where do you get your material, you know, every week. And I, I just it just, you know, all I have to do is walk through produce department or I think about the decades of of, of my experience and, or something unusual will come up. Like like a couple of weeks ago, we, we had some work done in, in at home and the electrician just left a mess. You know, he didn't he didn't follow up with a dozen things and I thought, you know, how many produce departments are like that where I'd walk in into a store and they're finished setting up the rack. And they weren't done. Yeah, they were mostly done, but they still let us sweep the floor and clean up their mess and clean them chrome, right. and, you, know, they, you know, fill the bags and, you know, all the little things and, and right. you know, mop the floor and, you know, it's just, you know, they weren't done and, uh, but they thought they were done, you know, and so, <laughs> uh, and so to me, it's like finish the job. You know, whatever it is you're doing out there, you know, if you're done with that display, get rid of your trash, adjust your signs, adjust your mirror misters on the wet rack, whatever, whatever it is, you know, get, finish the job. And so that came from an electrician, you know, so. Oh, um, that's great. Yeah, you, sure.
1: And,
0: yeah, so, yeah, you never know. I mean, and I send myself messages when I'm driving. I know I have to be careful when I do that, but the, I see the note to myself and I go, oh, my column idea. Yeah, so I'll give you a preview of one. Uh, too many produce managers i think are timid in their merchandising mm. you know they make these little bitty displays and you know it's like either you're either you're promoting produce or you're not yeah do you, you want know? to sell it or and not
1: right exactly
0: yeah exactly so they have these little minuscule facings and and maybe it's because it's too small of a volume but and it reminded me of uh of a football coach at a college uh who well anyway it's it's uh he he went to a bowl game and they had the buffalo as their mascot, a live buffalo, Colorado University. And so Eddie Crowder was in, in the 60s. And before the game, the wh- wherever the venue was, the stadium manager told the buffalo handlers, the buffalo, his name is Ralphie. They said, we can't take Ralphie on the field because there's some rule that you can't have live animals out there. And the coach, he's obviously concerned with his game and his team and everything, and he doesn't want to think about the buffalo. But he looked at the handlers and said, "You have a fifteen hundred pound animal there. You know, you just run it out on the field. I guarantee nobody's going to try to stop you." Yeah, really. <laughs> and, you know, so so don't be timid. Just just get it done. So so, so something like that is. That that's that's a little preview to something I'm about to write, you know, next week, and it'll probably be posted, you know, a few days or a week after or whatever. But uh, yeah, whatever crazy things come to mind.
1: And that's great. That's, uh, that, your inspiration comes from uh, things around you, and then you relate it back to. I mean, I could write so many stories about things that have happened over the years in fresh produce and and i did a few and and i guess i just gotta get in when i get in the writing mood groove it'll flow yeah but getting there was always hard for me but i did write a lot of articles but i did get inspiration similar to that for a podcast i did a few weeks ago i was out and about and i went into this place called the wing brothers which is a chicken wing place and on Mm -hmm. the wall they had a huge, gigantic, I wish, I don't know why I didn't take a picture of it, probably because I took their menu, which had a picture of it, a big giant <laughs> Scoville scale on the wall. And I said, oh, I remember writing an article about the Scoville scale. I'll I'll, I'll find that and yeah. and then I'll use notes from that to do my podcast. And I did. I went on about Wilbur Scoville and the Scoville heat units and the whole bit But it was inspired from just going into that place and seeing that on the wall and being very impressed that they actually had that on there.
0: How many times have you gone into a produce department where you're not as familiar with maybe it's a different chain or whatever? And you'll ask the clerk a question and they they don't. And in in fact, uh, one of my columns was inspired because I I was looking for some... uh, iceberg lettuce and they didn't have it (laughs) very 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 young said i don't know what that is and and i thought oh my goodness you know this is i wasn't asking for lychee nuts or dragon fruit i was asking for head lettuce iceberg head lettuce and but anyway and so the product knowledge and training. You know, to to me that goes to the training aspect. You know, because it it happens. You know, and, and 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 for so so something like a Scoville unit chart, you look at it and go, oh my gosh, there's a way to measure the heat in chilies. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. You know, the first time I saw that myself, I was like, oh my goodness, that's that's neat. You know, and so so everything is is measurable. And and so those are the kind of Cool tools and stuff that, 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 yeah, we come across and you go, oh, yeah, w- why aren't we doing that in retail too? Well,
1: retail has changed. I mean, that's all there is to it. Look, we're, we're, we're no yeah. spring chickens here, you and I, but retail has definitely changed. It, it used to be in the big stores, you had very knowledgeable people in the produce departments, but also, you could work in the produce department or any department of a grocery store and still afford to buy a house and rent an apartment or oh, whatever yeah. it is. So yeah. it's a different story today. But a lot of the folks are just passing through. They don't care. The training that they do get is not is not hands on for the most part. It's through videos where if they don't get the you know they they watch them or if they're not watching them they're letting it run and they're looking at their phones instead. And then they just have to get the answer right and they keep asking you the question until you get the answer right and then you move on. So there's no really no real hands-on training. That's why I'm a big fan of independence. I just am independent yeah. chains, smaller chains, and independent stores, because there's just more intimacy in in how things are 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 done. You know, there's more a little more creative freedom
0: as well. Well, if if even if the big chains were smart, they would they would invest in regaining that level of product knowledge. Well, for one thing, the produce department is probably the most profitable department in the store. You know, it puts more to the bottom line than the other burst produce department or uh, departments in the store. And it's uh, it's also what customers perceive as the heart of a, of, of a shopping experience. If you have a really outstanding produce department, you will sell other things in that
1: absolutely store. And,
0: and i know a produce manager i won't say what chain it is but i was talking to her and she was brand new and nothing wrong with that but they literally moved her from a, a bakery assistant <laughs> to a produce manager no very little training oh boy and so uh, and so after about a year in the job, I I went back to her and I said, so you've been on the job a year now. And so quick test. I said, when are pomegranates in season? (laughs) And she said, I don't know. They just send them, you know, and this is a chain that, that not only does things like that, but they also give you a, a schematic every week and you follow the schematic, which I understand is it's, it's how it is in a lot of chains, but to me that takes all the fun out of produce and all the, you know, cause if you know your neighborhood, you can merchandise for it. Absolutely. And, and, and know and, and especially a, a person like a produce manager. I mean, you really need to spend a lot of time working the produce and, and knowing, so many aspects of the department before you would get close to being a assistant or manager position. Yeah. You
1: have to go through the seasons. You have to, you, you know, why take your produce departments, remodel your stores, put all this effort into putting produce departments front and center when you walk in the door and then do something like that. Hire a bakery, right. N- nothing against her. Um, you know, yeah. maybe she yeah. really wants to learn. And, and I have gone into stores where, you know, there are kids in there saying, you know, I just, they put me here. Uh, I don't know this. I don't know that. Sometimes I'll hand them my card and say, feel free to call me anytime time you want with any produce questions, anything, yeah. I'll be happy to to share it with you. No problem. Because I like doing that. I love training people. So many people came out of my store and went to different places, not just in produce, but in other things now. See, the, see what the big stores need to do is come up with the right amount of money, hire you and I to go in there and train all their employees, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. then it'll be a better day.
0: <laughs> well, you know, they're obviously investing. They're investing in produce, which is not is not cheap right. they're investing in uh, some of these chains are investing in unbelievably nice fixtures i mean it looks like ethan allen furniture with their different uh, orchard bins and incline tables and different shelves and ice trays and uh multi-layer you know sure. uh, unbelievable looks on their wet racks and so on and you know so they're investing in that but then they they hire people that with and don't invest in their knowledge. I just, uh, you know, to me, if they did that, I think that would complete the picture because they're already, you know, going nine-tenths of the mile. Why not go that extra 10th and really do a good job? Because that will pay off in terms of sales and gross profit and less shrink well
1: hopefully that'll change because it is an exciting and adventurous department to work in it's it's very healthy you know i've reading reports lately that the average american eats 60 pounds 60 pounds that's six zero pounds of processed sugar per year 60 pounds of sugar wow man come on folks and 37% <laughs> of americans eat at the drive-through every single day so we got to wow. do a better job at, at pushing the fresh produce on people too because how you eat affects how you think
0: i was thinking how every field trip i've ever taken to uh, different growers different farms and they go through such lengths to to grade and size and package their product so that it can arrive at a store in pristine condition yes. you know and uh, they go to all these lengths you know with refrigeration and laser other technology, technology all that yes yeah and and then it gets to a back dock in <laughs> that last 150 or so feet it's like well that's the end of that and you have clerks that that we you know again if they're not trained they will mishandle it. They won't rotate it properly. They'll refrigerate things that shouldn't be refrigerated. Leave things out that shouldn't. Opposite, be... <laughs> leave, leave Leave things out. I've I've walked into produce departments where there's a pallet of really fragile berries and mushrooms that have left out of refrigeration for at least 12 hours, and you know there's not much shelf life after that. You yeah, know, and. That's uh, right. And you think all, all the work and investment that went to that point again, so yeah, training and sh- should be foremost in, in retail to take care of that so that so that when the customer does take it home, they have the benefit of the shelf life, they exactly. have the benefit of, of, of the good eating experience, and then maybe then they'll start to consume a, a little bit more fruits and vegetables.
1: Yeah, that cold chain is, is is dire. That's all there is to it. Yeah. Well, you know, Armand, we have a lot of good things, like we said at the beginning of the program in the produce department, right now what are, what are some of the things that you're cooking up in the in the lobato household
0: oh we've started our hard squashes already right. we like to make just a baked acorn or uh we we make a good uh, butternut soup as the days get a little chillier and of course uh, i try to track down some some good jonathan apples wherever oh, i can find them because yes. they make a an unbelievable good uh hot bubbly uh, (laughs) syrupy pie you know with that nice lattice on top and so you got some pie stuff going on and uh our corn is exceptional right now so so we bring home bags of that. And, you know, corn doesn't need a lot of cooking, Mike. Right. I remember my mom used to cook the holy bejeebers out of everything. Corn just needs a little a quick warm-up, if that much. And it's so sweet and good, and uh, and it goes well with everything. There's a dish I like to make with soft squashes and corn and a little hatch green chili and just a quick stir-fry. There's a name for it. My parents used to say it. It's a Spanish name, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. But it's it's great. It's a uh, little stir fry and it makes a great side dish
1: Mm, man it sounds good yes i've been enjoying the apples and you know we have a lot of new varieties and we still have the old standbys you mentioned mentioned Jonathan, and that's a good old standby that's for sure uh a lot of uh, in fact you're in colorado so there must be a decent California, Colorado apple crop in the state.
0: Yeah, it's 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 not as strong as it used to be, but yeah, they used to have a, a Golden Delicious subgrade called Gold Supreme, and the nice thing about it was it had a, a blush on it, which you don't see on Golden Delicious very yes. much. And a golden delicious is, uh, it's kind of an understated variety, it is. uh, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of like the vanilla ice cream of, of apples, you know, but what an exquisite flavor vanilla is. Right. And, uh, and the same with that golden delicious. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's one little jewel that we had in Colorado, but yeah, a lot of the apples anymore for Colorado are, are go, either go to independence, uh, or to, uh, to, to pressers for for apple cider because a lot of a lot of those growers shifted to uh, peaches or uh, or pears
1: wow or pears that that's that's very interesting because yeah. we have a lot of good pear varieties right now as well that Sundowner oh, yeah. apple I used to get that out of Colorado for years ago and um, I think it's a Fuji type of apple if I recall correctly but boy was that fantastic and here in California we our California Gold Delicious too yeah yeah if you try your local version of the commercial apples that you see in the store, you'll see a huge difference. And not to say that they're not good in the stores. They are. They're great. But there's something about that local gold delicious. You're, you're absolutely right.
0: Yeah, there's some cultivars out there that are just really good. You know, I learned a long time ago that apples new varieties are called sports. Ah. Uh. yeah. Probably the most famous sport of all is a red apple that uh, I think it was a Pennsylvania farmer. He kept mowing down this tree that kept growing down, <laughs> or kept growing in the middle of his uh, of of his uh, orchard. And then finally he said, "Well, if you want to grow that bad, just let it grow." It baby. turned out to be the to be the red delicious, oh. which is another one that that it went to a peak, course, and then and and it's still out there. But you know, people will poo-poo it. But it's like, no, we have, actually, that's that's a pretty good apple. And and I think growers are starting to come back and say, okay, we got away from just making it look pretty, making it elongated, you know, making it, you know, this, this, a great looking apple to working on it so that the flavor is returning. So, so they're, you know, working on that because they, they know that flavor is important and
1: reinventing the red delicious. Uh, Yeah. I think it was the Fuji that knocked that out of first place. I have to tell you many years ago, uh, there was a label called Royal Purple. You remember that? Top. Top, yeah. top, and label. I remember very well. And w- w- we received these red delicious apples that were deep, deep, deep burgundy in color. I mean, they were just, yeah. pre- they were, I don't think they it was Washington Extra Fancy Premium or whatever it was. Yeah. And I looked at those and I said, holy smoke. I I, I got to cut one. So uh, I, I cut one up. And we tried it, and it was so sweet and so juicy. It was the best uh, red delicious I ever had, even better than the ones out of Idaho from the independents uh, that I also used to like, L- like iceberg. Don't poo-poo it because there's yeah. some real value there and and, and some good oh, sure. experience. And,
0: and and sometimes I think as retailers we have to be open to new varieties too. I remember once we were I was sitting in our my director my produce director's office, and I was working on the the lone computer. It was pre-internet days doing something on lotus or one two three at the time you know (laughs) the old uh, so anyway so and our and our company president came in his name was jim baldwin and jim brought a little bag full of apples and he told our produce director you know hey you got to try these i i went on a trip and i think and i think we should carry these and 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 we we were polite to him you know because he was our boss and everything and then he left the office and my boss looked at me and i looked at him and he rolled his eyes like oh jim you know what does he know anything about produce <laughs> well it turns out that bag of apples was the fuji apple. Uh-huh. and uh <laughs> yeah and look where that look where that went to, you know because sure. but but sometimes it's like wait a minute you know don't don't be so quick to uh the poo poo something, you know, it's uh, you'd be amazed at all the great gems that are out there.
1: That's right. Hey, folks, Armand Lobato, a columnist with the Packer, the uh, Produce the produce Marketing Guide, and uh, also, you also work for the Idaho Potato Commission, and we're going right. to co- have you back in a couple months or maybe next month to talk about potatoes specifically, if we can do that, if, if you're you're up to it.
0: Oh, yeah, I, I can squeeze that in, sure. Fantastic. Okay, <laughs> good,
1: folks. All right, folks. Thank you, Armin, for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure.
0: Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it very much. I enjoyed it very much.
1: Hey, folks, thanks for listening. A little bit longer than normal. A couple of produce veterans get together and start talking. It's hard to shut us up. Hey, folks, be sure to tune in to the Produce Industry Podcast every Monday with Patrick Kelly, as well as the Produce Industry Show on YouTube and the Produce Industry app. You got to have that. Download that on your phone, on your tablet or anywhere on your brain it's a great resource and be sure to check out my youtube and rumble pages called dan the produce man and all my social media can be found at dan until next week this is dan the produce man reminding you that it's always best when you get it fresh
0: you've been listening to fresh from the field fridays with dan the produce man Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Produce Industry Podcast and at Dan the Produce Man. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.